You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Hand wide, don't you? Great job, everybody, this morning. Well done, well done. Even though one of you gave your wife food poisoning this week, I understand. I say nothing. Okay. Denial is always the best way through those sort of things. I was saying earlier to Sarah, I said my mum gave me food poisoning when I was 11 years old and there's still one food I cannot, cannot even even think about eating because it sets me off. For those of you who've never met me before, my name's Stuart. Um, I'm one of the pastors at Audacious. Uh, I was there before it existed. And um, uh, we started many, many years ago, Pastor Glenn and I started a conference called Audacious Conference. And um, that's where uh, the church came from. So that's why in that sense before. In fact, as we open this story, let me tell you a story about what happened. Many years ago, we were in Uganda, Pastor Glenn and I, setting up for Audacious Conference, a mission trip and as part of our missions trip to Uganda we were going to something called Watoto. Have we had Watoto here? Watoto Children's Choir. So we were going to the Watoto and, uh, and real early days and we used to go and build houses and um, I am like the worst. No that's not true. Mark Foster is the worst at DIY. I am probably reasonably, no, no in comparison, there's no comparison. I'm pretty good actually. Um, but um, this is not something, you would not ask me to build a house. Um, but we would go on a trip and build, and we were setting one of these trips up. And while we're in Uganda, the guys we were with, the guy says to us, would you like some fresh pineapple? Now, I've, I've had these moments before. I have tried fresh coconut straight off a tree. Disappointing. I was disappointed. So I'm like, Lee's like, yes. And I'm like, no. Uh, and, and I was disappointed. So I'm like, right, go on, Glenn, you go. You, you, you go first. So this guy, he, uh, you know, he gets this pineapple, gets it down off the tree and, and starts to cut it. And I'm like, well, it looks pretty good. And then he turns to us and he says this. Our guide says this. True or not, this is what the guy said. The guide said, these pineapples are so good, Mr. Del Monte said no. Because they're so good that they will mean they can't buy the other pineapples from other countries because they're not good enough in comparison. So we're like, really? Well, I have to be honest, he was right. They were amazing. And we both stood there like all decorum gone destroying pineapple. You know, would you mind climbing and getting another one? You know, it was just like, it was just this awesome thing. And the juice of this thing was incredible as you're eating it. And, and it was, well, it wasn't pretty. It was not pretty. And we just enjoyed the moment. We're talking today about the fruit of the Spirit. And what we're talking about is this, that God is so good that the Holy Spirit is so good that what's in us is so much better than anything else we could try, we could think about, we could imagine it so much more than that. And that's what we want to focus on. So we're going to read from Galatians chapter 5. Uh, we're in our month of prayer. So, you know, I hope you're, you're getting involved in praying. Have you, uh, some of you fasting and uh, maybe you've set some things out you're going to fast and then you've had a moment. Anybody had a wobbly moment yet? No, no, don't want to confess it. Don't want to put your hand up. Don't worry, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not judging anyone. And, uh, and you think to yourself, oh you, oh, you forget. You totally forget, like, you know, I'm fasting food and there's a meal and I forgot. 
No. Uh, you know, we have those moments where stuff happens and um, things happen in our lives. Because that moment that we find Jesus, that moment that we give our lives to him, it would be so much easier if all that transforming work that needs to be done in our lives was done in that moment. It would, for us, it would be so much easier. But God in his wisdom takes us on a journey that shapes us. And this is what Paul is writing about in Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to pick it up from verse 16 where it reads like this. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. You ever found that? You want to live for God and then something inside you, not even someone else you can blame, but something inside you, you're wrestling with. So that what, sorry, so they are conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a pretty big statement from Paul. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Um, Paul starts with walk by the Spirit. And then he ends this little passage with live by the Spirit. He in the middle is dealing with how you wrestle with that in your own life. And, and that's important to note. Because Paul is not writing a condemnatory piece. Because that line in the middle feels really, oh, I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. He is not looking to go, hey, you got to live like this else you're out. Because then we're back to the conversation we had a few weeks ago about the difference between law and grace. What he's saying is, when this is in you, what are you going to do about it? Because it's a journey that we find ourselves on. There is an internal conflict, if we're really honest with ourselves. In a lot of those areas, there are things where you've got a little bit of temper, or you've got a little bit of challenge, a little bit of jet. There's things that go on in our lives, because none of us are perfect. There's only Jesus who's lived that perfect life and then he calls us to come and live that with him and then tells us, that, for instance, greater things than these you will do. And so he asks all that of us. Paul points out that it's a battle and I find myself right in the middle of that battle. And those two lists for me perfectly define the two sides of the battle that go on in my life. I am wrestling with some of those issues and I am wrestling with being more like that. If you're not aware, I am massively into the gym. I really enjoy the gym. I realise the look of me and that statement, don't go to get, why are you laughing, Esther? 
Yeah, thank you. Don't necessarily go. I realise that. But I love going there. And, and, and I, what I really love is buying gear for the gym. Not the clothes necessarily, the stuff. And I like to keep it in my house and look at it. And every now and again, use it. And I, I, I was reading an article the other day. And, you know, I was wondering to myself, you know, I, I work out pretty hard. Why do I not have clearly defined abs? And I read this article and it all became very clear to me. And this is what it says. Abs are built in the gym and revealed in the kitchen. And I thought to myself, I am not standing in my kitchen with my top off. That's freezing. It's cold. There's no heat in my kitchen for that. But what he's actually saying is this, and it's, it's literally this that it's talking about. It's saying this, you have to grow something and lose something to become the person you're called to be. You've got to grow in those fruits of the Spirit, but lose those desires of the flesh so that the fruit of the Spirit is so clearly revealed in your life. And that's what Paul is getting us to wrestle with. If you didn't know this, the book of Galatians is probably the first epistle that Paul wrote. And the book of Romans, theologians would read the book of Romans and the book of Galatians together because Romans often interprets these ideas in Galatians. And Paul does exactly that in Romans chapter 7. So let me read you Romans 7 because this is Paul ex expressing the battle that goes in, 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 on in each of us. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate... I do. This is the Apostle Paul. Like this is the guy who planted church all the way, right up Jerusalem, all the way through Asia Minor, down into Greece. He wrote most of the New Testament. And he says, what I hate, I do. And if I do what I don't want to do, I agree the law is good. Still wrestling with that idea. And it is no longer, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it. It is sin living in me. For I know that good does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. Hold on to that idea for a minute. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. And I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Anybody get that? Okay, I get that too. This I keep on doing. If I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me. So I find this law at work. Though I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making a, me a prisoner to the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus, our Lord. It is a wrestle and a battle that we find ourselves in, in ourselves. That's just fact. But God says, walk by the Spirit, live in the Spirit. Why? Because we're not in this battle alone. I mean, thank God that he didn't just save us and leave us. Thank God that he didn't just say, you know, one day I've got you now, I'll get you in heaven. In between, it's up to you. 
But actually what he says is this, I know you've got to be transformed and changed. And this fight that you go through, that I go through, that we go through, in every day of our lives, I am with you in it. And I will walk you through it. Now let's just take a moment and think about it. We've got to grow both less and more at the same time. And then Paul uses this word, this great word in Galatians. He says, hey, these things are obvious. The problems, they're obvious. You know, do you ever have someone, I, I, was, on a, I was on a call yesterday, I was on a, a Zoom call. I've been on Zoom calls for the last year, right? I was on a call yesterday uh, with nearly 750 ministers. And at one point, something didn't work, right? Everybody on the call knew it didn't work. Do you know how many texts I got from people letting me know it didn't work? Oh, just to let you know it's not working. I know it's not working. I'm not even texting you back for that. Uh, just, and, then, and then they started coming in WhatsApps and telegraphs and an email from someone. Who thought I would look at an email at that point? I know it's not working. And it's sometimes like that in our lives. We don't need someone telling us, hey, this is what's wrong with you. I know what's wrong with me. I know what's wrong with me better than you know what's wrong with me. And some of you really think you know what's wrong with me, right? But what's happening is, there's a battle at work in me. Paul says, it's obvious what these things are. And he blasts through them. Sexual immorality, when there's sex between unmarried people, impurity, unnatural sexual practices, debauchery, when sexuality is uncontrolled. He talks about religious issues like idolatry. That's whenever you substitute anything for God. Anything that gets bigger than God in your life, God says, that's your flesh at work. Witchcraft. And that is when something fakes the work of the Holy Spirit. And then destructive attitudes. It'd be easy if they were actions, but they're attitudes as well. Hatred, hostility to others, jealousy when your ego is hungry for recognition. Selfish ambition, that have to win. I had to stop playing football because I don't like losing, right? Have to win. And I support Bolton Wanderers because the Lord is working on that in my life. Uh, envy, wanting what others have. And the results of that attitude, discord, that people become argumentative, fits of rage, outbursts of anger, dissensions, creating divisions, factions, Paul's challenge to Peter earlier in Galatians. Hey, why are you going off and being all Jewish when we're like this here? Factions. Paul's pointing out in Peter, this is what's wrong with you, Peter. Can you deal with that substance abuse? Paul literally talks about substance abuse. Drunken orgies and the like. And that word orgy, don't think of it like we would. Think of it as a party that has got out of control. That people were living this way and it was obvious. Hey, what if we could deal with the obvious? What if we could look at those things and say, God, will you change it in me? And then Paul, that line, we've just dwelt on it a minute ago. I warn you as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. What's Paul trying to say? He's trying to say this. There is a journey that you go on from the moment of salvation where our responsibility is not to cheapen grace. God's grace is what gives us our freedom to live. But when we don't live in that freedom, but we live according to rule and law, we cheapen grace. We reduce the value of what was done for us by the way that we treat what was done for us. My son learned to drive um, just in that sort of gap where you could. 
in lockdown and he passed his test and, um, and did first time, did real well, cocky, confident, is like his mother, right? And, um, and he, um, he, he, so he's off in, in, in Julie's car, he's now in my car, and um, he, he's off every now and again in Julie's car and, and, he's, uh, and my, he is just, he is so confident. And then he started calling it his car. So we started talking about price. Okay, you want to call it your car? Okay, you're paying for the insurance, absolutely, because, you know, you're 19. I'm not paying for that. And you've got a job, and um, I have a house and you, right? So you pay for the insurance, and, and it, his car. I said, okay, if it's your car, yes, Dad, do you want to take on your mum's monthly payments? No, Dad. Because he recognised the cost. When we don't recognise the cost of what Jesus has done for us, we cheapen grace. Because we let our lives not be transformed. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a great theologian, wrote these words. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate within us. If we are not allowing God's Holy Spirit to work in our lives, we have devalued the work of grace in our lives. That's what Paul's challenge is on. He's saying, if you're living like this and not dealing with it, then you're devaluing the work of the cross. In fact, the language he uses is that we have to crucify these things. Because what Paul is not saying is self-effort is what gets you over the line. Me dealing with my envy is what gets me over the line. Me, me dealing with my issues. No, no, he's saying it's not that. What you have to do is you actually have to crucify this. And crucify, crucify it's shocking language. You know, sometimes words just become normal words. But it's shocking language, the idea of crucifixion. A long, give it a long, painful death. John Stock described it like this, to be pitiless, painful, and decisive. And that's what we need to allow the work of the Holy Spirit to do in our lives about all those, those, those desires of the flesh. We need to be pitiless. We need to cause pain to it. And we need it to be decisive. I am crucifying this. And every time I find it in my life, I'm saying, Holy Spirit, empower me to crucify it again. To just kill it off a little bit more. To finish it off in my life. That is a process of discipleship. That ain't cheap grace. Because every time you've got to go through the pain of dealing with that. Paul is writing to the church at Galatians. He is writing to the church here. Remember Galatians 2.20. Paul says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You can't contextualize Galatians 5 without Galatians 2. So what's happened? I have been crucified and this old flesh keeps trying to come back to life. Well, listen, that old thing in you doesn't need a resurrection moment. The only resurrection moment needed was Jesus' resurrection moment. He had a resurrection moment so that we could kill those things. When we kill those things, we find ourselves alive. That's what we're chasing after. I have been crucified with Christ. Let me, um, 
I've, I've had to have some corrective stuff. Go Brady, go Brady, go Brady, go Brady. I've had to have corrective um, stuff done in my shoes. I've had to have some orthotics put in. And uh, the reason was I was, uh, I was working out and, um, and my ankle pinged. You know, you hear something go, you don't just feel it, you hear it and you think to yourself, not good. And so my ankle went and it turned out it was nothing to do with my ankle. It was everything to do with my knee. And the reason that my knee was bad was because my foot was bad. By the end of the description, I just said, just tell me what I've got to do. And uh, the answer was orthotics. So I've had to have some orthotics made to go into my shoes. And I said to my wife, I said, babe, I said, I really, I'm sorry about this. I'm going to need a whole new set of shoes to go with it. She's, she's not gone with it. And uh, so, I, so I've had to have these made. And, and the first time I put them in and put them on, I felt like I was standing like this, like everything was out. Because it was forcing my feet into a shape that had become unnatural for them. And then after, I'm, now, I'm nearly three weeks into wearing these things. And what it is now is, it just, it just feels a little uncomfortable. Just a little bit uncomfortable. But what I've realised is, well, these feel more comfortable now. And this feels more comfortable. And actually, I'm moving better in the whole of my body. Because we corrected a little thing right at the very foundation of my body. Paul is writing all the way through Galatians. If you can correct some of these things, if this can change this, stop listening to the some people that we talked about in Galatians chapter 1. Uh, think about getting your, line in, your life in line with the Holy Spirit that we talked about in Galatians chapter 2. Think about just getting some grace, not law. Stop trying to obey the law and just walk in grace that we talked about in Galatians chapter 3. All the way through he's working it and it's all building to this point where he says, what does fruit look like? Three quick things about fruit. First of all, this, the acts of the flesh are instant fruit. It takes time to grow. Short-term gratification is always won over by long-term fulfillment. When you hit the short-term gratification, you get an instant coffee. It'll do the coffee thing, but you won't enjoy it. But a long-term, oh, it's a totally different thing. Second thing is this fruit is the result of what's alive in you takes time to grow out of you. God deposited his Holy Spirit in you. And as it's growing and working and moving, the fruit becomes more obvious over time. Third is this, it says fruit, not fruits. Don't think to yourself, I've got to work on my love. Now it's all about the love. Now it's all about love. Then it's going to be all about the joy. No, no, fruit. One Holy Spirit, one set of fruit. One set of fruit. One set of fruit. Not, not, it's, oh, it's not my fault that I am not growing in my kindness. It's that the Lord hasn't given me that gift yet. No, if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, that's in you. It's just not been revealed yet. Uh, you spend enough time in the gym, get in the kitchen and deal with it. That's what Paul is saying at this point. That's what he's challenging at this point. And it's easily possible that we assure the appropriate fruit from the one fruit at the appropriate time. That I show love when it's appropriate to show love. That I show gentleness when it's appropriate to show gentleness. But it's only one fruit. I'm running out of time, so let me go through them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Love, serving not for what you get, but for what others receive. Joy, living in delight in God. Peace, to rest knowing He is in control. Patience, facing troubles without panic. 
kindness, serving others practically because you're secure in who you are in Christ. Goodness, integrity in every situation. Faithfulness, loyalty, courage, reliability. Gentleness is humility. And self-control is where you understand the important over the urgent. Sometimes it feels impossible because the life we live in, the world we live in, puts the pressure on us to live as instant gratification, instant win. An instant society demands instant change. And yet Paul all the way through, some people line up your life, grace over law, clothed with Christ, a grace that covers you. Ezekiel, God speaks this, Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. That pineapple ruined me. Because any pineapple I've eaten since has just not been good enough. When you have the encounter with God and the Holy Spirit, every bit of instant, every bit of self-gratification, you have been ruined for those ordinary things because we've discovered this thing deep in us that is life transformative. Barna Group, who do research, recently produced a piece of research that is pretty shocking. They said that um, I think 62% of the country wouldn't consider going to church for this reason. Let me read to you the literal reason. They are apathetic to church because they had met Christians. I think the fruit of the Spirit was not on display in the way that God wants it to be. And I think that's the challenge to us. God, help me to keep crucifying the flesh so I don't live that way. And let me show your Spirit that fruit in and through my life. Final scripture and then, then we're going to finish. Zechariah 8.23 says this. In those days, 10 people from all languages and nations will take hold of one Jew by his robe and say, let us go with you because we've heard God is with you. Let me speak over our church that in this day, people will see God in us so clearly that they'll say, hey, what is it about you? What is it that's different in you? What is it that's changed in you? And it's the fruit of the Spirit that has put in as a deposit that is revealing Jesus to them. Can I pray for you? Would you stand to your feet for a moment? And then I'm going to hand back to Pastor Lee. Um, but let, let me just pray and let us pray for God's presence and power to be in our lives. We want juice fruit in our lives, the best fruit in our lives. So why don't you close your eyes for a moment? If you're here today, you never made a decision to follow Jesus, never had that moment where you've encountered Him and you realise, boy, that's what I want in my life. I want to see those things come to fullness and I want to deal with some things in me and God can do that. Then I'd love to include you in a prayer. If that's you, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, maybe you did once and uh, you've fallen away from following Him and today you're like, I want to come right back. Then would you just pop your hand up so I can see it? And now I'm going to include you in a prayer in just a moment. I'm going to do that. Cool. Thank you so much. So good. So Father, we pray 
for those who've raised a hand, Lord, for this moment, may your Holy Spirit fill their life right now. May it be as they acknowledge that, that there is sin and that they need a Saviour, that the work you did on the cross where you paid the price for their sin will be so clear in their lives. And for each and every one of us, may your blessing be upon us and may your Holy Spirit, may that fruit of the Spirit pour forth in our lives as we put to death those things in us that need to change, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh,